Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. I'm Peter. Again, if you missed announcement time, I'm Peter. Uh, I said some really important things earlier and you missed it. Um, But uh, we are, uh, we're in the last week of our stewardship series, the stewardship principle. And, and week one, we kind of talked about what stewardship was because everybody freaks out anytime that we talk about the idea of stewardship from stage because we automatically think, oh, here we go. We're talking about money, and I hate talking about money. It's the only thing worse than looking at my bank account, right, is talking about my bank account. Um, and so, but that's largely not what stewardship is. Um, and then even last week, we, we then we talked about money. Uh, and then this week, we actually get to talk about the opportunity or, or how we steward, how we manage our time well. Um, I'm a big sucker for personality tests, personality profiles. Anybody else in here like, yes, the more I get, good, two of you, awesome. So everybody else ignore this. The two that raise their hands, we're going to be all in on this, okay? Uh, there's a really famous one called the Myers-Briggs test. Some of you may have been forced to take it at work or something like that. And you're like, those things never work. I love them. I geek out over them. I read them. I, I do the whole thing. So for me and, and for the other two of you in here who's Myers-Briggs people, I am an INTJ. Now, for most of you, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but an INTJ <clears throat> means that I am introverted rather than extroverted, and that weirds a lot of people out. I'm, call, I'm what you would call an extroverted introvert. So I can people as hard as I need to people, and then I need to shut it down for a while, right? So I'm an introvert rather than an extrovert. Um, uh, I'm intuitive rather than feeling. So I'm not a feeler. Uh, ask my wife about that, right? I'm just like, no, like, like to, to quote a, uh, a political guy, uh, facts don't care about your feelings. Um, and so uh, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, a, I'm intuitive. Um, I'm a thinker uh, and I am a, I am a judger, which makes it sound real bad as I read those all on a list. But essentially what that means, it's like, you are a cold hearted shrill. No, essentially, what that means is I prefer alone time, and really I like the idea of efficiency. And in order to get that type of efficiency and that sort of thing, I have to understand uh, uh, different points of data and that sort of thing. So I'm just, I'm a big fan of those personality tests. There's another one that's, uh, that's pretty famous. It's, uh, it's called the Enneagram, and it's become more and more famous uh, over the course of the last couple years. Um, and the Enneagram, any Enneagram people out here? They're like, yeah, okay, more Enneagram people. So I'm a one on the Enneagram, okay? So for those of you who understand the Enneagram, I'm a one, which means that uh, I, am a, I am a perfectionist. Um, it means that I am driven by fear of failure. And so uh, I never, ever want to fail. And beyond that, uh, the title for a one is a reformer, which essentially means that, that in, in the deepest parts of me, I believe that it's my responsibility to, uh, to leave, the, leave the world a better place than I got it in, right? And so I love fixing broken systems. I love going into a, uh, an area and recognizing, okay, what needs to be fixed and fixing those things. And all of that really comes down to the idea of efficiency, like if something isn't efficient, we're doing it wrong. Like anybody in here, uh, I know we're doing polls all over the place this morning. Anybody in here ever have somebody else load the dishwasher only for you to open the dishwasher and reload it? Okay, you are all ones, congratulations, okay? You see something that's wrong with it and you're like, nope, that's not okay. I'm gonna go, I would rather unstack all the dirty dishes and put them all back in in order to make it right. That's the way we do things. <laughs> 
I have one main job at my house and it's loading the dishwasher and teaching my children how to load the dishwasher. Like that's, that's my job at our house for the most part. And so, but efficiency means a great, great deal to me. And actually, as we are, we're talking about the idea of stewarding our time well, uh, this is the one thing, our, our, our one thing that everybody has the exact same amount of. Regardless of who you are, regardless of your job, regardless of your social status, regardless of, of uh, how many kids you have or, or how many grandkids you have or whatever it may be, no one can ever acquire more time. Everybody has the same amount. So if you're a CEO, if you're Beyonce, if you are you, you have the same amount of time as everybody else on the face of the earth. And so it begs the question, okay, well, for the most part, how is it that we spend our time? These are always fun things to look up. So I looked up on the average over the course of someone's life, how much time do we spend doing different things? So the first thing over the course of your entire life, most people will spend, the average person, Christian, will spend 70 days reading their Bible. Okay, you're like, oh, 70 days, that's pretty good. Reading my Bible for 70 days, cool. Now listen to the other things though. Uh, you will spend six months of your life sitting at stoplights. Some of you that's less than others though, cause you're like, that's not stoplights. And go straight through, right? No, it's yellow. It was yellow, I never saw it turn red, it's fine. Uh, you'll spend eight months of your life opening junk mail. That's one of the most depressing stats that I saw. I was like, are you kidding me? I would, eight months, forget it. I'm getting rid of mail altogether. Uh, you spend one year of your life looking for misplaced objects. And I would venture to say the, the more kids that you have, the higher that number goes up, right? Because I know where my keys are. And if they're not there, it definitely wasn't my fault. I'll tell you that right now. But yeah, a whole year of your life. You spend four years doing housework. Four years, I know, that's terrible. But for the ones in the room, that's probably like eight years, right? And she's like, no, I gotta do it right. My wife cleaned it wrong. Um, you spend five years waiting in lines, five years waiting in lines, which means you probably spend five years, at least five years on your phone because now when you get in the line, you just pull your phone out and you, you know, scroll through whatever it is you wanna scroll through. Five and a half years driving a car, uh, seven and a half years listening to music, and 10 years in front of a television. Now, these stats I got back, the, the stats that were pulled were back from 2012. So my guess is a lot of those things have probably increased. They didn't even talk about how many years you spend on your cell phone on here. And my guess is it's like 50% of your life because that's just what people do. They take out their phones and they use their phones. So when you look at that, that list really is kind of a depressing list, right? And especially when we go all the way back up to the top, you're like, man, 70 days in the Bible. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. I spend six months, six months looking for things or a year, year looking for things, whatever it is. So all that to say, we need to recognize that one of the most valuable resources that we have is our time. One of the most valuable resources that we have their time. Uh, the, the most valuable resource is not our money. It's not our stuff. It's not the things that we've acquired. It's not our homes. It's not our sweet car that we got and fixed up when we were back in high school or anything like that. The most important thing, the most precious thing that we have is our time. You know, I remember when, uh, when Cooper was born, Cooper's our oldest son. And when, when Cooper was born, people just kept telling us, man, it was like a conveyor belt of people telling us, man, hey, treasure these moments. They grow up so fast. 
I'm like, no, like it's the same amount of time for everybody, I promise. Like it, uh, it, it is no faster, but I'll tell you what, that, that kid's almost 11. Like he's, like it's crazy to me to think that I, next year I'm gonna have a middle schooler. And time, it just goes. And if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if, if you love people younger than you or you've seen them grow up, you know that like, wait, where has the time gone? It just goes so quickly. But every single one of us has the same amount of time here on earth. So we as Christians, if you are a follower of Christ in the room, should be able to utilize our time in a greater manner than those people outside of the Christian fold. And we're able to see what that manner should be by, of course, reading through scripture. So we're going to talk through a couple different things today um, that hopefully you can grab onto, you can apply to your life, but we're really going to look at through the lens of scripture, how it is that we should be able to manage and steward our time effectively. And the first thing that we need to recognize is that our time belongs to God, not ourselves. Our time belongs to God, not ourselves. And it's the same principle that we talked through when we talked about our money, when we talked about our treasure, right? And it's the same principle as you talk about the idea of your talents. Usually a good stewardship series, ours wasn't good apparently, but a good stewardship series, we'll talk about your treasure, your talents, and your time, and how you're stewarding those three things, right? This one, we're just talking about the idea of your treasure and your time. But our time belongs to God and not ourselves. Even our bodies belong to God is what scripture says. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? The Holy Spirit is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Every single thing that we have on earth, every single part of you, every single part of your calendar, every single part of your bank account does not belong to you. It belongs to God. Every single piece. And we in here in our Western culture where, man, I'll tell you what, like we thrive in capitalism and I'm not against capital, like we thrive in capitalism, we thrive on, on gaining more and doing more and being more efficient and doing all of the things. This is a hard truth for us to recognize that you are not your own. You are God's, you were purchased at a price. Your calendar was purchased at a price. Your time was purchased at a price. Your bank account was purchased at a price. Your life was purchased at a price. And so because of that, we need to honor God in all of those things. Because of the fact that our bodies are God and by extension what we do with them are his as well. We need to understand in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, it says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You know that phrase there, that says making the most of every opportunity. A better translation for, for that is redeeming the time is kind of what it says. Redeeming the time or more specifically redeeming opportunities, which is your next slide. Redeeming time or redeeming opportunities, maybe. There you go. As followers of Christ, we need to recognize that stewarding our time well means making the most of every opportunity that's been given to us. 
But what are we supposed to do with those opportunities? How is it that we redeem those opportunities, redeem them in such a way that we would honor God, that we would recognize that as I am redeeming these things, that I recognize that I am not my own. I am redeeming these things because I was bought with the price. So who am I redeeming them for? Not for yourself. You're redeeming them for God because he bought you with a price. We need to recognize that stewarding our time well means making the most of every single opportunity that we're given. And I would look no further as to, as to how to best redeem these opportunities than the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How are we supposed to redeem our opportunities? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how we redeem those opportunities. That's how we redeem our time in that. You love God with every part of your being and you love people as much or more than you love yourself. We wanna love people as well as, as we continually pursue God. The Bible is full of these stories, full of these stories, but I'm going through my Bible in a year plan, still on it, still right on track. Anybody else? Bible in a year, got on track. One of you, awesome. Two or three of you, oh, Jeff Milhan, that's a pastor. Good pastor answer over there. But as I was reading through it, I recognized in the book of Genesis, actually, there's a, a great story that really does uh, just kind of exemplify this idea of using your time in such a way that it's going to honor God. It's this, uh, the story of Jacob meeting a pretty girl. Her name's Rachel. And uh, if you're familiar with the story, you probably recognize that Jacob, he goes and like I said, he meets a pretty girl. Her name is Rachel. And he goes and talks to her father. And he's like, hey, I want to marry that pretty girl. And the dad's like, I'm going to squeeze this guy for as much as I can get. Okay, fine. Seven years. You work for me for seven years. I'll let you marry my daughter. And so he's like, done. Seven years work. I could totally do that. She's real pretty. So he goes, he works, he does all the things that he's supposed to do. And then it comes to his, the end of seven years comes to his wedding night. And all of a sudden he recognizes the next day that the dad did a little switcheroo and decided to allow, allow him to marry Leah instead of Rachel. He was like, hey, look, sorry, bro. Uh, our culture kind of says that the oldest daughter needs to be married first. And so, uh, I gave you Leah instead of Rachel. And so he's upset and he's like, okay, well, what do I need to do then to be able to marry Rachel? Because apparently uh, just staying with one wife wasn't enough for him. And so he's like, you know what? Fine, I'm gonna squeeze this guy again. Seven more years, bro. You work seven more years for me and then I will allow you to marry the one, the one that you want to marry. Then you can marry Rachel. So seven years go by and he eventually gets the opportunity to marry Rachel. And all the while he was doing those things, he was remaining faithful to God. He was remaining faithful to the call on his life. And some could argue that, that he was in it for his own selfish desires. He's like, well, she's really pretty. So she's worth 14 years. She's fine. Seven's good. But 14 years, like we could argue that point and that's okay. But in reality, this is a prime example of someone showing how much they love somebody how much they can love somebody by putting in 14 years before they get the opportunity to love them, before they get the opportunity to truly marry them, showing them how much they love them by the amount of work that they put forth. Man, Sarah and I dated for like a year and a half. 
And I was like, that's it. We're getting married. Like, I can't do this anymore. We're getting married. Sarah was, we were dating for like six months, and she was like, when are you going to propose to me? I was like, hey, just cool your jets, okay? So 14 years. That's a long time. That's a massive commitment. Sarah and I, I think, have just passed the 14-year mark of knowing each other. And so thinking about from the time we met until now that we wouldn't have been married, we wouldn't have built our lives together, we wouldn't have all these wonderful kids, we wouldn't have the home that we have, we wouldn't do the ministry that we're doing, all that stuff, that seems like an eternity. I mean, think back to 14 years ago. Some of you are gonna freak out because it was 2006 and some of you thought it was 1996. No, 2006 was 14 years ago. Think about the state of your life then. Think about how much of a different person you were at that point. And he simply says, no, this is like the love that I have for her is worth spending 14 years of my life in toil in order to love her well. And that's how we redeem some of these opportunities. For him, it was a 14 year opportunity to get a wife who was going to eventually help him birth a nation. 14 years, he redeemed those opportunities and he could have easily walked away at seven with Leah and said, all right, I'm done. But instead he continued forth, loving her well and loving God all the while. He remained faithful to God. So he worked and worked and worked. And through Rachel, God would bring a man named Joseph in his really bright, shiny coat. And the story continues from there. We have to remain cognizant of those people in our lives who need to be loved and use our time to be able to do it well. The truth is, though, is how we spend our time is an indicator of our spiritual health. How we spend our time is an indicator of our spiritual health. So how do we see our time as being stewarded well in our lives? Are you loving people well? <clears throat> Are you loving God well? Are you serving the world well? You can be the busiest person in the world and still be completely and totally ineffective. Man, sometimes uh, we wear that as a badge, right? They're like, tell me if this rings a bell. Someone comes up to you and they say, hey, how you doing? How's it going right now? How's it going? You say, man, I'm busy. And for some of us, we're like, oh, man, you're so important. That's such an important person. He's so busy all the time. That's so good for, good for you. Man, things must be happening. Like the business must be booming. Your family must be doing great. Your kids are involved in all of the things. Like this is great. We are so busy right now. But you can be the busiest person in the world. And if you're not growing in your faith, if you aren't waking up and getting to God's word, not getting to prayer, then you're missing how to best steward your time. Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Not if you could fit it in at the end of the day. Not, oh, I got five minutes real quick to click through my app and just click the check marks and say, oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm good on my reading plan today. I did all the things. That's not the case. To seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And this isn't a plea to some of you guys who are like not morning people, like anti-morning people. I've been forced into being a morning person because of my wife and my kids. Um, like I'm a night person. I work best late at night, all that stuff. Um, so I got kind of forced into that. So I'm not saying you have to wake up and the very first thing you have to do before your feet touch the floor is open your Bible and get into his word. Because the reality is a lot of you in here may not, that you may not think best at that time in the morning. 
right? You may not think best until you're, you know, three espressos deep, and then you're like, yeah, now I can go, and I can really, really figure the whole thing out. At that point, we just need to say, hey, you need to settle down a little bit. But that may not be you, and that's fine. But what it's talking about is seeking first, is making sure that God's kingdom is a priority in your life. It's making sure that, hey, regardless of your day, regardless of the busyness of your day, the first thing that you should have on your calendar is when you are going to spend time with God. Hey, you know what? Uh, And sometimes we have to switch it around, and that's totally okay. Depending on the season of life, man, we have so many kids, and they're involved in so many things that I'm like, hey, like, okay, if I can't do my God time here, then I'm going to have to shuffle it around here. And summertime's different and all those things are different. But regardless of when I spend time, I am seeking God first because it's a priority in my life. And we as Christians need to make sure that that priority is number one in our lives is seeking God's kingdom first. We have to be vigilant about time because as we recognize that time is fleeting, James 4, 13 and 14 says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you, don't, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Some of you are towards the end of your life looking back at a life well-lived and you're recognizing, man, that went by so fast. That went by so fast. Some of you in the room are younger and you're looking forward and you're like, man, I got so much time. I have so much time to do whatever it is that I need to do, whatever it is that I need to accomplish in life. I got so much time ahead of me. I'm in my 20s, I'm in my 30s, whatever. The Bible tells us that The time is fleeting. So what is it that we need to do in order to make the most of our time? I alluded to the first one is the first thing, spend quality time with God. Spend quality time with God. Are you praying? Are you reading your word, reading God's word? Are you you investing in relationships with other people who are like-minded with you to be able to hone and sharpen your knowledge of God? Are you spending quality time with it? For me, uh, in the, it, when my kids are in school, I do my quiet time here in the parking lot. So if you ever see me parked like in a really weird spot, I'm fine. Leave me alone. Okay, because I'll come and it's, I've dropped my kids off at school and then I take my car and I usually park somewhere in the back and I keep my car on right now for the heater. And so uh, people who are concerned about climate change I'm not sorry, my time with God's more important. And so I go out there and I read my Bible and, and I, I, I turn off the social media, I turn off the distractions, I turn off my radio and I sit and I read the word of God and I pray to God. Is it a weird spot? Yeah, it's a weird spot. I'm sitting in my car in the parking lot before I go to work. It's not like the cozy, like, let's light a candle and cuddle up in a blanket with sip my coffee or anything like that. I'm shivering in my truck, reading, getting quality time in, because it's the one spot where I can go where I'm not inundated by noise in my life. But I've made it a priority. And getting up early and, and, and like trying to find time away from noise in my home, you know, is impossible. 
The minute we open our door, all five kids, all five of our kids wake up and they're all hungry at the same time. It's like you have to feed them three times a day or something like that. It's nuts. But it's so hard to be able in my life, in my busy life, it's hard to do that. So what did I do? I said, all right, where is a time when I'm post kids and pre-work that I can find time to seek God's kingdom first? All right, I'll shiver in my truck or I'll sweat to death in my truck, depending on the season. And that's just what we have to do. And it's not the first thing I've done. I've been awake for almost two hours by the time I'm out there. It's not the first thing I do when my feet hit the floor, but it's a priority that I've made to make sure that, hey, before I go forward with any more of my day, I've made this a priority in my life to seek God's kingdom first. So that's the first one. Make sure that you're spending quality time with God. The next one is, um, uh, is to plan your schedule, just like a budget, right? You need to make sure that you are planning your schedule. You are looking at your schedule. So much of us are like reactionary. You know, we have more tools at our disposal sitting in your pockets and your purses right now than we've ever had in the entire history of the world. You know, you have your calendar, you have access to your to-do list, you have all of the things all in a nifty computer that we use to talk about stuff that doesn't matter. But just like your budget, you need to sit down and look at your schedule and figure out how it is that you're spending your time appropriately. And the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I would also venture to say that where you are spending your time, your heart will be also. And so what does your schedule look like? Are you taking out time to sit down with your spouse, with whoever it is that you're doing life with and looking at your calendar and saying, okay, this is what it is that we're gonna do. Man, when Sarah and I are, are like killing it, like when, when life is, like we're doing life the way that we're supposed to do life, on Sunday nights or on Friday mornings, I have Fridays off, and so uh, there's no boys in the house except Noah. Um, and so when we're killing it, we'll do, our, we'll do our budget, we'll look at our calendar, we'll look at our meals, we'll look at you know, things a couple weeks out that we still have to get to and that sort of thing. Like we'll look at all of those things and make sure that we're not gonna kill ourselves over the course of the next couple weeks. We'll make sure that we're not over committing to things. We'll make sure that we are saying no to things that, that should be said no to. And in America, we just have this constant problem of saying yes to everything. Because if we say yes to everything, then somehow our status goes up. It's like, yeah, no, no, no. The ability to say no to people, that's how you steward your time well. The ability to say, you know what, I can't do that this time. I'd love to do it next time. Or just simply say no. Try that this week. Because most of you haven't said that word in a real long time. Say, no, I'm not going to do that this time but find opportunities to sit down and, and, and talk through your schedule and stick to it. And the next thing you need to do is establish Sabbath, okay? Sabbath, for those of you who are, uh, are new to church, is essentially what God, uh, God showed us in the midst of creation where God worked for six days and he rested on the seventh. It's not because God ran out of energy or anything like that, because God obviously doesn't run out of energy. He was modeling for us what our lives should look like. Now, Sabbath isn't what a lot of us hope Sabbath would be. A lot of us hope Sabbath is like a sweet nap, right? Like, hey, I work for six days. I'm going to nap today. I'm going to sit down in that recliner, and I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm going to take a little bit of a nap, and we're going to call it a day. That's not Sabbath. 
Okay? Sabbath is intentionally setting aside time to make sure that your life is operating in such a way that it's going to honor God. Are you honoring God? So putting off large purchases, I think that's one of my favorite ones uh, that a friend of mine told me is how he practices Sabbath. He's a real estate investor, and so he refuses to make any large purchases or finalize anything on the day that he has made for his Sabbath. He tries to not do any large projects that day. He tries to spend time with his family that day, and he makes sure that he's in the word of God that day to be able to take a step back from what society says that you should do, a push forward for seven days, seven days, seven days. Every day you have to get better. Every day you have to get further. Every day you have to get busier. So our culture is constantly telling us, and the Bible is saying, hey, look, no, no, no. God is telling us, look, I set this up from the outset that you can work six and rest on one. I set that up for you. So make sure that you are putting that rhythm into your life. And lastly, you need to create margin to give away because your time can change the world. Your time can change the world. And I think that's something that we forget. When we talk about the idea of stewardship and talking about this idea that, that uh, the way that we manage our things should impact eternity, that's a big deal that our time can change the world and maybe not the entire world, maybe because you got on the correct calendar, uh, the world isn't gonna have world peace and everybody's gonna shout out to Jesus as their savior all of a sudden because you got organized. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is your time can change someone's world. Your time can change people's world. We talk about oikos in here a whole lot. If you're new with us, oikos is this idea that God has both supernaturally and strategically placed eight to 15 people in your world, your world for you personally to make an impact for them, to impact the kingdom of God for them, for you to change their world. And you can't do that if you are overcommitted. You can't do that if you're not stewarding your time well. You can't do that if you're exhausted all the time and you're not taking a Sabbath. You can't do that if you're not managing your time well. You can't impact individuals' lives as well as you could have if you are overcommitted in this realm. 1 John 3, 17 to 18, it says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. How are you gonna be able to love in actions and in truth unless you have time to do it, unless you've intentionally given yourself enough margin, unless you've intentionally looked at your calendar and said, you know what, we're gonna block out this, this time right here because at this time we're gonna go out and we're gonna find somebody to, to feed or, or at this time right here, we're gonna come and we're gonna, we're gonna serve at one of the ministries at our church. That's what we're gonna do with our time. If you aren't making the necessary steps to steward your time well, you're gonna say no to things of God in order to say yes to things of man. You have to be able to steward your time well, and that's really where we need to land today. Our primary responsibility as Christians is to be disciples who make disciples. We're supposed to be disciples to make disciples. Small acts of kindness to show your loves for others go an incredibly long way. I remember every single time Sarah and I got pregnant, people would just bring us food. It was awesome and more awesome if it was tacos. 
It was so good, but those small acts of kindness just shows that like, hey, this isn't about Sarah and I. This isn't about the people who brought us stuff. It's about the fact that they love God in such a way that they knew that, hey, how can I just love them? What's an easy way for me to love them? Oh, I can make tacos, sweet. And dessert, because if you don't make dessert, come on guys, what are we doing? <laughs> but those small acts, those little things, to be able to just say, hey, look, I love you. God loves you. Here's a meal so you don't have to worry about it. I know you are up late. I know you're up early. I know you're feeding kids and your house is a wreck and all of those things. Let me do one small thing for you. Here's a meal. That's it. Those small acts of kindness are showing people how much God loves them by, by, like I said, just picking a ministry here at our church. We have so many ministries available at our church that you can serve in. So many, all of them are always looking for volunteers. Some of you know that because you've said no numerous times to people. But man, when you walked in, our ushers and greeters, they do an incredible job out there. We have hosts out there. We got people who, are, who, who help with, with worship. We have our senior adult ministries. They're always in need of people to kind of help organize events and different things that they're doing. We got our kids ministry. Man, I don't know if you were in that massive line over there. If you were, we're sorry to check your kids in. But we had a line from the desk to the door of people trying to get their kids checked in. It was a great problem to have. But I'll tell you what, they could probably use some help. How about our students? You know, for those of you who don't care about body odor, that's a great place for you to be able to serve. <laughs> or even things behind the scenes that nobody else sees, that no one will ever see. I mean, we have a faithful group of people who, who come in on Mondays and help count our offering and get it to the places that it needs to go. We have people who have come in and repaired drywall and painted walls and just, done, just said, hey, look, here's my time. I tell you a secret, it, as, as hard as it is for some of us to write a check and give it to the church, it's way harder for us to open up our calendar and say, hey, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my time to God. I'm gonna serve in such a way that it's gonna honor God. It's a whole lot easier to open your checkbook than it is your calendar. And so steward our times well. Man, we have people and spaces for you to serve regardless of the talents that you have. So regardless of those things, regardless of your talent, regardless of your wealth, everyone has the same amount of time to give. So again, as you're eating today, you're watching the 49ers defensive line sack Aaron Rodgers again. Think about though, think about though, how it is that you're stewarding your time. Are you being effective in your time? Are you honoring God with your time? Are you loving people with your time? And if you aren't, it's time to stop and reevaluate to see what it is you need to do to make it so. Church, imagine what it would look like if, if we just started stewarding things the way that we were supposed to steward things. We started stewarding our money the way we were supposed to steward our money. I'll tell you what, we wouldn't ever have any budget issues here. But beyond that, how much could we bless people in our community with those overages when it comes to money and stewarding our money well. But, but think about even the greater impact if our church decided to steward our time well and said, you know what, I'm gonna seek first God's kingdom and then everything else is gonna be added to me after that. But, but I'm gonna seek God first. I'm gonna serve God first. 
I'm going to open up my calendar and say yes. Can you imagine what it would look like if every single person who attended our church decided they were also going to serve somewhere in our church? The impact that we could have in our community? Man, I'll take a, I'll take a church of 350 people who have an incredible desire to serve, the God, to serve God and impact our community way over a church of 3,000 people who want to come and sit and leave and just take from the church. Imagine the kingdom possibilities, the impact we could make if we simply decided to steward our time correctly and beyond that, steward the gifts that God has given us so they can indeed impact eternity. Be incredible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, uh, for today. We thank you for the blessings that you've given us, the time that you've given us, the talents you've given us, the treasures you've given us. We thank you for all of those things, God, and we pray that we would indeed be a good steward of those things, that we recognize that we are not the owner, that we are simply the manager of those things, and that as you have given, given them to us, that we would manage them well, we would manage them efficiently, we would manage them correctly that we would seek you first, that we would recognize that our time is yours, our calendar is yours. So how is it that we're going to steward those things well? God, I pray that that is a question that we would be able to ask ourselves, to be able to ask our spouses, our families, our friends, how can we steward our time well? God, I pray if there's, there's people in here today who have not yet made a decision for you and it's like, you know what, this makes sense. The busyness of my life, the craziness of my life, I wanna say yes to God so I can put him first and hopefully after I, I put God first, then like your word says, everything else will be added unto me. If that's you in here today who has not yet said yes to Jesus or needs to say yes to Jesus again, you know what, I've strayed, I've done things I'm not proud of, and I just, you know, today I'm gonna just recommit my life to Christ. And you just pray along with me as we say the ABCs at the end of every service. That a, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. God, that I mess up. I'm not stewarding my time well. I'm inefficient. I'm, I'm at work. I'm, I'm stealing time from work in order to be at home, and I'm stealing time at home in order to be at work. And I'm, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And B, I believe that you sent your son to the cross on my, half, on my behalf to purchase, that, I, that my life, my time, my talents, my treasure were purchased at a price. And that price was your son on the cross and defeating death so that I could be with you forever and see I choose to follow you every single day of my life. God, that as we become more holy, as we become more sanctified, that we would steward the things that you've blessed us with well. We love you, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.